This is Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lengel. On today's show, in a week full of political coverage, we're off to Baton Rouge for an update on music. No politics, but lots of music news. The Baton Rouge Symphony Orchestra opens its season. Adam Voss will speak with guest conductor Chad Goodman. Up first, though, the NPR podcast Planet Money likes to ask how certain businesses and industries work. Sometimes they'll take a deep dive to learn how one makes and sells a comic book, for example, or how to invent a new pasta shape. This time, reporters Sarah Gonzalez and Erica Barris found themselves in Baton Rouge asking how to make a record label. For more on the journey into the music industry and the one musician who sent them down this path, we're joined now by Planet Money's Sarah Gonzalez and Erica Barris. All right, well, the story begins when you're sent a single song with a title that many Americans can relate to right now, Inflation. So tell us about this song. I, I, let's start, Sarah, I guess. Who wrote it and how did you get your hands on this? Yeah, so the keyboardist on the band is the one who had initially sent us the song like, hey, you guys might be interested in this song because it's about money and you're a podcast, you know, about money and economics. Um, and so we we heard the song, we listened to the song and we were like, oh, wow, this is this is cool. Like it's like funky, <laughs> it's jazzy, um, you know, it's, it sounds like very 70s. And yeah, it was about a topic that we care a lot about at Planet Money, which is inflation. We cover inflation. Um, and the singer and songwriter is a guy uh, from your backyard. <laughs> He's in Baton Rouge. Right, right. Uh, his name is Ernest Jackson. Yeah. Uh, he's 74 years old now. He was in his 20s when he wrote and sang this song uh, when, when they did the recording. And the band that he um, recorded this song with was called uh, Sugar Daddy and the Gumbo Roo, which is just like great name. <laughs> and um, uh, an interesting little like fact about this song is that um, a very, very young Randy Jackson was the bass player on this song when he was in high school, which we thought was kind of cool too. So you traveled to Baton Rouge to meet with Ernest. What's, tell us a little bit about him, his story. And why were you so compelled to seek him out? Um, so when I will say like the, we got this song and we heard we talked to the keyboardist on the song and then he passed along, you know, he said, oh, and you can try to reach out to Ernest and talk to him. And I call Ernest. And the first thing he says to me is I've been waiting like 50 years for this phone call. Oh, and yeah. his voice was like oh just gosh. perfect. And we just had like the best conversation. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this song is amazing. And his stories were great. And he's just like a charmer and like you know, just like a kind person, like you can kind of hear it in his voice. Um, and he wrote this song about something that we care so much about. So I was like, yeah, I think we should like try to talk to him and hear a little bit more. Um, and so we just went to Baton Rouge to just be like, okay, what's he like in person? And he was just as like great in person, if not, you know, that, as he was when we talked to him on the phone. Now, and this is Erica like, speaking. So, oh, go ahead. Yes, Sarah. this is Erica speaking. Yes, yeah. Sarah, go ahead. Yeah, I was I was just going to add that, like, um, you know, we didn't initially set out, I don't think, to, like, become a record label, which is what we ended <laughs> up doing uh, for Ernest. We were sort of like, what what could we do with this song? And, like, what should we do with this song? And then um, Erica and, and other people had, had the idea that, like, if we if we insert ourselves into the music industry, then we will be able to report on what it is like to be in this industry and report on like how royalties on songs work and how, you know, if we do release this song, how much money 
would the song generate and how does that money have to get split up between the label which is sort of us um, and the, the the singer and the band uh you know the the musicians that played on the song and like really the best way to do justice to a, a story about this would be to like throw yourself in and 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 become a label and and wait until you get your first check based on streams and then um then we will like really be able to explain um you know the next phase of the process so we, we've done two shows already one is sort of like a profile of our artist of Ernest Jackson uh the second is sort of more like um into the weeds the negotiation getting the band to sign on like we needed written formal official contract and documents uh including from like a famous person right so it was not super super easy and then part three will come out later right now we're sort of sitting back waiting um to see how this song does it is uploaded to to all the streaming sites so people can hear it um we're gonna sit back see how it does see how many streams we get and then if we do make money even if it's like $32. Um, <laughs> uh, I think right now we're at like $400 worth of, oh, worth of listens. Which is great. Yeah, is <laughs> Which is a lot more than we were expecting, yes. Let me ask this. He obviously has seen quite a time in the music business. Did he reflect on any changes in, as, he, as you went through this process? And what you learned oh. about what he was trying to do and accomplish? Yeah, like, so um, you asked about who Ernest was, and Ernest, like, recorded his first song when he was 14 years old, like, in New Orleans um, um, at, at Cosmo Studios. And then he, like, spent... And it's a like, great he, song. And it's it is such song. a good song. Oh, my God, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and he was performing in nightclubs as a teenager. Um, he was performing in all these bands. And, like, the way that he was brought up or the way he came up was like you expected a record label to come discover you like a big time record label mm -hmm. like you know an a and r yeah, guy yeah. was gonna come yeah. find him sign him up um and he had had a hit that like made the billboard charts and stuff he had done a cover of al green's love and happiness so he was just kind of like waiting and then it just like never happened which happens to a lot of people you just like can be incredibly talented and you know have like all the star power in the world but like if you just don't meet the right person in who will like make you an actual star then you can't actually do it um and it's very different now like I think he kind of hasn't really been trying right for the last few years yeah. like he's just been doing gigs in town but now it's like okay maybe you know when we were like we can try to get your song out there he just like it was renewed energy for him I think so in the process of putting that all together, was there anything in producing a song that you never would have anticipated? Any surprises? I mean, I know there were a lot of challenges, but was there anything that stood out that kind of said, wow? Every, this is Sarah, every single thing was harder, more time consuming, more expensive than we were expecting, than we were anticipating. We got in we at a certain point we were just like we're in too deep <laughs> we just we <laughs> have going. to keep going keep going <laughs> no choice but yeah all of it i mean like the there's lawyers involved when uh, you're in a, you know like writing up yeah. a contract to to become a label to release a song and um, accountants like a, and all yeah and accountants accountants i think for me the for me uh, sarah the um the most interesting part uh to me is that like accountants will spend the next several years divvying up fractions of penny like a third of a penny goes here and like whatever <laughs> fraction of a penny goes here um to like multiple entities like not just to the singer and the guitarist and the keyboardist and like the 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 estate of the drummer who you know he passed away but like his estate is entitled to a share um but also to like 
the streaming sites and like all there's just like all these music organizations and it, it just and like people at NPR will, or like accountants will have to be um, doing this for the next few years until we we no longer have a license on the song. Um, and it's just kind of insane because that's like a lot of resources and uh, energy devoted to this one song. Right. Yeah. Somebody has to do it, though. It's, but yeah. there's a great moment at the end of the first podcast episode where Ernest reacts to hearing his song Inflation on the radio, actually local Baton Rouge radio. I'm going to play his reaction again for you right now. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is blowing my mind. Is this actually SQ 106, right? Yeah. How did they get that? <laughs> How do you think they got it? We sent it to them. Oh, man, that's out of sight. I mean, I can't believe this. <laughs> All right, so what's your reaction to hearing that again? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just, this is Sarah, it was just, um, you know, the way, the reason why we did this was sort of like we were deep in the weeds and we were like, is this going to happen? Is it not going to happen? We do want to give him like a little victory. You know, his, his dream personally is a little bit more... Um, like old school, right? Like he he still thinks about the music industry as like what it was like in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And so he's for him, he was like, oh, like I want to get in the car and like hear myself on the radio one day. Um, and so we wanted to give him that moment, even though today really what you want to do is upload the song to a streaming site and get as many people to listen to it. Um, but this is this was his version of, of success. And so so we wanted to to give it to him. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, it like was we, amazing. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His, his frame of reference. So uh, let's wrap this up very nicely now with how people can help out. Where do they go to uh, find out more about Ernest Jackson? Erica? Um, well, you can go to the Planet Money podcast. Um, we have two episodes about um, the first episode is about Ernest Jackson. And the second one is all about how we constructed a contract and negotiated our way to a record deal. Um, and then you can find his song. He is on like Spotify, on Apple Music, on Tidal, on like YouTube Music. He's literally anywhere that you go and like stream music. We his song is out there um, and we are trying to make it a hit. So like the more people stream it and the more people listen to it, you know, um, and the more people tell all their friends about it, you know, the better it is for, for us and for Ernest. And, and I want to say this to Sarah, uh, our goal here is to try to get as many as many people as possible to listen to Ernest's song. Um, that's what he wants. If we get a lot of listens it opens up like all these possibilities of what we can report on what we can like say to listeners afterwards um and so uh it is an uphill battle like it is a major <laughs> major uphill battle um at one point we set a goal of like if a million people could listen to this song that would be pretty cool um it, it would end up being something like in the ballpark of you make four thousand dollars total <laughs> like maybe um and then that gets divvied up uh uh and like just for the for so everyone can know less than one percent of songs on spotify get to a million listens so it's like very very hard to make uh money in this industry um but for Ernest, i think he just wants he just wants people to hear his song like that's that's his dream well i know what i'm doing at the end of my shift today thank you yeah, Aww, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all very much for your time, Sarah, Erica. We appreciate this, this time with you today. Of course. of course. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much.
That was NPR Planet Money's Sarah Gonzalez and Erica Barris. You can check out their two-part series all about Ernest Jackson and the music industry wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Ernest Jackson's Inflation on Spotify, and we'll give you a little taste of it right now. You know, with the food and rent going up daily, man, it's becoming a day-to-day hassle just to survive. You see, inflation and taxation has taken over our great nation. People, stop what you're doing and listen to what I have to say. Inflation is in the nation and it's about to put us all away. I can see a depression coming on, but like most of you, I hope that I'm wrong. With the money they pay, Jackson from Baton Rouge. You're listening to Louisiana Considered on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Carl Lengel. Founded in 1947, the Baton Rouge Symphony Orchestra is the oldest performing arts institution in the region and the oldest professional orchestra in the state. This evening at 7.30, the orchestra opens its season with a concert of American music. That is four pieces by American composers. My colleague Adam Voss spoke with BRSO guest conductor Chad Goodman, who will lead the orchestra tonight. First, let's talk about the piece that you opened the concert with. It's called Starburst by Jesse Montgomery, a young living composer, American composer. It's a brief piece, just one movement. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, absolutely. So this this piece that we're opening with, Starburst by Jesse Montgomery, I think it's just makes for such a great opener. While it's brief in duration, it's it's absolutely packed with energy. And the composer basically took inspiration from happenings that we have in the sky from stars exploding was really a big inspiration for her to write this piece. And basically, Jessie Montgomery is a string player herself. And she wanted a piece that could sort of highlight all the different colors and sounds and characteristics that we can get with just the string instruments alone. So there's incredibly bright, vibrant, high passages. There's soft and delicate moments, very lyrical and soulful. There's uses of pizzicato of just plucking the strings in a very percussive and and rhythmic way. And so she, I think really in about three and a half to four minutes of music, gets a tremendous amount of energy and variety of color and, and music out of the strings. And the composer violinist Jesse Montgomery is a young composer born in New York. Can you tell us a little bit more about her and your choice of her starburst to kick off the American-themed concert? Yeah, I've always been very proud of the lineage we have of American composers. I think so often with classical music, of course, the ties go back to Europe. Um, But from the 20th century onward, there were so many defining voices that came from America and I think it's always important that we include the voices of composers of the present, because I think for a lot of people, 
composer is is an occupation that people associate with someone who's no longer alive, right? We think Beethoven, we think Wiggs, but composers are really people who are out there today experiencing the world that we are all experiencing, and they're choosing to share their view of it through music. And I think this is so crucial that we always support and present music from these voices. So Jesse Montgomery is, I think, her musical voice deserves to be shared. And and everywhere I've performed her music, audiences have been super enthusiastic and have felt some really deep connections with it. You stay relatively modern with two Leonard Bernstein pieces and George Gershwin, two 20th century composers, in addition to Jesse Montgomery. In fact, nothing in the concert is from earlier than the 1900s. That's not your typical symphony orchestra concert. Yeah, absolutely. The number of composers in America is just growing rapidly, too. I mean, there are so many big names we have from the 20th century, but but right now, more than ever, we have people who are choosing to dedicate their lives to to writing music and sharing it. And and it's it's a growing, growing group. Uh, so, I mean, you could put on seasons worth of American music, but but this program to be able to focus on Gershwin, on Jesse Montgomery and and with two works by by Leonard Bernstein, who who might be the an even bigger name for for everyone who's who's tuning in right now, obviously affiliated with West Side Story is his greatest hit. We're speaking with Baton Rouge Symphony Orchestra guest conductor Chad Goodman. We're speaking about this week's season opener, a concert of American music. So even though all the music is American, not all the musicians are, you brought in Ukrainian-born Israeli violinist Vadim Gluzman for this concert. Tell us a little bit more about this decision to have him perform Bernstein's Serenade. What might be the connection here? So this is incredibly special that we have Vadim with us. Vadim is is one of the most in-demand violin soloists on the on the planet. Just an extraordinarily gifted, gifted musician. And what makes this particularly exciting is he's one of the greatest champions of this work, of Bernstein's Serenade. He has recorded it. There aren't too many um, recordings out there of this piece. He's one of the few that's put out an incredible recording, and he performs it whenever he has the opportunity. He deeply believes in this piece, the power of it, the message, this tie-in with love. And he's honestly one of the biggest advocates for this piece. Chad, it sounds like you have a history of highlighting American composers. Why do you focus so often on American music? What distinguishes it from the European classical music sounds? Yeah, you know, it it really is just something I've always been interested in from my start in in conducting. And, and I actually founded and directed a, a contemporary music ensemble for many years in San Francisco. And my focus was on American composers, particularly living American composers of my generation. And it's just something I want to be able to shine an international spotlight on the American classical voice. There's just so many wonderful creators, these composers out there. And as a conductor, it's, I think, one of the greatest responsibilities I have is that I have the opportunity to bring in different pieces from composers and take them with me on the road. I also feel like almost a responsibility of carrying on this legacy. I'm I'm, I'm part of this lineage into Bernstein, who also did so much for presenting and sharing music, not only of his his own works, but of all of his colleagues of, of the 20th century. So... It's something I care deeply about, and it's it's definitely part of my mission as a conductor. Hmm. Let's talk about An American in Paris. Of course, it was Gershwin's second major orchestral jazz piece. I I guess the first he arranged mostly by himself. Um, The way that Gershwin incorporated elements of blues and jazz to truly American forms, 
of musical language, and you're bringing it here to Louisiana, a place that's in the midst of the blues and jazz. Yeah, very, very lucky that Baton Rouge has such a, a deep connection in, in, in Louisiana with with jazz. I actually grew up, um, my main instrument that I that I play is trumpet, and I grew up uh, playing jazz, actually. My, my grandfather played in a big band, and, and that was actually my start in music, was not even classical music. So on a personal level, I have a very deep connection with jazz as, as an art form and as a musical idiom. And so um, getting to bring that into this program, it just, it, it, it carries extra meaning and extra weight because it means something to me personally. It means something to the state of Louisiana. It, it means something to America. So I feel like it connects and hits on several levels. With American in Paris, inspired by Gershwin and New Yorker, his time spent in Paris, uh, an American in Paris, how do you think that impression might vary from the experience of a Louisiana in Paris, a place and people who fashion themselves as highly Francophile? Oh, very interesting question. And 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 me not being from Louisiana, I'm not I'm not quite sure, but I think for Gershwin, right? He's traveling, he was traveling from one major metropolitan hub of the world to another. Um, I think that there was maybe more that was relatable for him, right? There were more connections between New York City and Paris at the time. But I think sometimes when you have a familiarity with a place, the little things that are different can can become quite big. And and Gershwin really was fascinated. And this piece includes sounds of car horns, right? The, the percussionists actually have to play. These are car horns. And Gershwin, when he was in Paris conceiving this piece, before he left, he went to these shops and literally bought Parisian car horns because even the sounds of those were going to be entirely different from what he was used to and what he grew up with and was surrounded with in New York. And so I feel like it was very interesting that he was able to take those those qualities and experiences he was having in Paris that were less familiar. And he, in fact, brought them, literally physically brought some of this back with him and then in, infused it into his music, into his writing. Guest conductor Chad Goodman is leading the Baton Rouge Symphony Orchestra for its season opening. Thank you for being here on Louisiana Considered. Thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to the concert. The Baton Rouge Symphony Orchestra takes the stage this evening at 7.30 at the River Center in Baton Rouge. They'll be performing American classics with violinist Vadim Glusman under the direction of guest conductor Chad Goodman. And if you're listening to our evening rebroadcast and you expect you'll miss that concert, maybe you can catch the BRSO's next engagement, Home for the Holidays. That's December 3rd at 2 p.m. You know, it's great having live music come back, especially orchestras. And if you love detail... I highly recommend the exhilarating auditory ride an ensemble of instruments working together will provide you. If you are fortunate enough to attend the BRSO's season opener tonight, there's a little taste of something you might be humming as you leave the evening. Thank you. 
This has been Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lengel. Thanks to our guests, Baton Rouge Symphony Orchestra guest conductor Chad Goodman and NPR Planet Money, Sarah Gonzalez and Erica Barris. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our digital editor is Caitlin Dumholtz. Engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Procell, and Thomas Walsh. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered, provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience with additional support from Southern Strategy Group.